Hey, what's up, everybody? Zane here. Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Virtual Podcast. In today's episode, we have an interview with Thomas Gwynn of Containment Initiative. And uh, we've known Thomas for quite a while. We actually started the podcast uh, roughly around the time that Containment Initiative launched almost three years ago or about three years ago. And uh, Thomas was one of our first guests on, and it's actually been amazing to see what he's done with the game uh, and how the game and, and just development in general has changed his life, changed his career path, and and so many things. We, we really dive into it in the conversation today, so I want to get to that. But before we do, Thomas was very generous in terms of giving out some free keys for the game. So we are going to do a quick giveaway, and the way that you can enter is by leaving a review on iTunes. So once you write your review, take a screenshot of it and send it to zane at everythingvirtual.net. That is Z-A-I-N at everythingvirtual.net. And what we will do is we will randomly select five winners from the uh, all the entries that we have coming in. And again, just want to stress, please be honest and give us fair feedback when you guys leave your reviews. Of course, we want this podcast to grow. And we want it to get better and improve. But if you're tuned in, then we hope you are a fan of the show or have been a longtime listener. And if you're not, if you're new, then welcome. We uh, we appreciate having you here and, and would love to connect with you. So... Um, that's all you got to do. Leave the review on iTunes, send us a screenshot to zane at everythingvirtual.net, and we will announce the winners in about a week from now. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump right into the interview. Thomas, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Well, we are here with Thomas and Ronnie. Ronnie, you're on the line as well? Yep, I'm here. Hey, how's it going? Cool, cool. All right. Well, we are all in three different parts of the country. I think three different time zones as well. But Thomas, man, it's been so long. Uh, I it, This is awesome. I know you had hit Ronnie up and you guys were chatting about connecting. And uh, this is awesome. I mean, it's actually really cool to just catch up with you. And uh, how, how have you been? Like, how is VR treating you and what's new in your world? Um, it, It's been great. I mean, nothing short of transformative. Um. You know, uh, for just for your listeners, uh, you know, we so I think I was actually looking back and uh, we initially talked. I think it was episode six of your podcast. So yeah, wow. I'm, kinda, a, I'm a terrible host. I probably should have said that. We've had we've had Thomas on twice uh, really <laughs> yeah, early yeah. on. And so uh, it's actually really cool to kind of catch up with, you know, like almost three years later. So sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off, but you are absolutely right. I just wanted to apologize for that. So please go ahead. No, no, it, it's all good. Um, yeah. So what, let's see. We, we connected like when we were both like pretty early on on these on these projects that we've been working on. Um, and so I think I started the game, uh, the game's containment initiative. Uh, I started working on it in, uh, 20 August of 2016. I think, um, I had no prior development background. Um, and you know, I was probably just as inspired as everyone who puts on a, 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 a VR headset. Um, but yeah, so it led me to kind of, you know, going down this path and, and trying to see what I could do. Um, and it's been a really long and really, uh, a, a lot of work on this path, but, uh, it's, it's been extremely rewarding. Um, and yeah, so we we connected. I think I saw you guys playing it on YouTube uh, like early on, maybe a month after release. And uh, you know that was something the game had just hit early access, so it was in a like a pretty rough state. So I was surprised that you guys were enjoying it. And then uh, yeah, it came on a couple times. And uh, uh, since then, like like you said, it's been three years. Um, the game's completely like changed. You know, it used to basically just be like you know your simple you're standing in place and shooting zombies and like oh you had the addition of realistic weapon mechanics, um, you know with the reloading and everything. Um, but after we talked a second time, uh, I actually started working on like a completely different feature set, uh, which is like local asymmetric co-op. And for folks that don't know what that is, um, it's basically where one person plays in VR. Uh, and the other person actually sits at the same PC and basically they get like a first person shooter experience. So you can like basically either you can play in two roles on the PC. You can kind of be like sniper support where you're up high uh, covering the person yelling at them when there's zombies behind them. Uh, and then yeah, you can also like travel along with the ground and, and, you know, look around the maps and help them like scavenge supply crates and stuff and, and you know, kill zombies, of course. Uh, and then so, yeah, I've, I've added more progression systems to the game. The games obviously have like a massive, massive facelift. Um, which I can talk about that whole process later on. Um, yeah, I was curious yeah. about that myself because when I when I pulled up the game, I, you know, after we were talking, I knew you were gonna, I was gonna have you on the show. I was like, wow, this it, it looks <laughs> really, really good now. So yes. I just so, wanted to say that a huge difference. 
Yes, it really is. So um, just to fill everyone in and like basically like I wanted to come on the show and, you know, I, I wish that like when I started out, you know, it, having some just some some basic info, some basic guidance would have been like super helpful. So, you know, if there's any other potential uh, VR devs or anyone that's never done anything before and is looking into it, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, you can learn from you know the successes I had and, and more importantly, the mistakes I made. Um, but yeah, so when you guys first play the game, um, it, it pretty much looked like it probably should have been on like the PlayStation 1. Uh, it, it was pretty bad, and a lot of that came from, like, so, you know, up until early access, I think day one of early access, I had spent maybe $600 of my own money to get the game to that point, um, and this was just kind of a function of trying to save money, and I got stuck with, like, just really crabby models and, and textures, um, and so that kind of, like, led into, like, this was probably about a year and a half later once things, like, really took off, Um for the just the entire facelift for the game was uh, I met a fan of the game. They were posting on the forum. Uh, and long story short, we, we uh, started doing a lot of testing, uh, doing a lot of QA testing. They helped me with um, starting to look into the online component a little bit um, because I, at the time I only had one computer, one headset. So there was no way to, to test multiplayer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, which the game right now, it's still the, the multiplayer is still bare bones. It's it's just there as kind of an extra add on. Um, so I'll caveat it with that. But uh, uh, yeah, long story short, uh, this this guy wanted to learn how to uh, uh, use texturing tools. So went out, bought a copy of Substance Painter, and just kind of let him go crazy with it. Uh, and yeah, wow. so here we are, like three years later, and like it's like, damn, this is like it's like really looking good now. Like this actually looks like a game that you know belongs in you know uh, this decade now. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it was it was, a, it, was a, it was quite, and that's that's you know I can't I can't tell you how many hours upon hours I've spent just like so much iteration trying to just make things look perfect and um you know it's it's one thing like i know when i first came on you guys were obviously you seemed impressed because it took me like what a month or two to get this like working prototype out um but you know it's like what they don't tell you is even though you've got like you feel like you've got like 80 percent of your work done it's going to take you like 10 times as long to get that last 20 percent to get it perfect um yeah so that's just just to interject because i do want to provide some context i mean we we spoke to you pretty early on and i think the one thing that ronnie and i were incredibly impressed with was the fact that you were a one-man team. I mean, we'd spoken with uh, different studios or different teams of folks and just the what you were able to put out. And I'm not, I'm not brown-nosing. I mean, at the beginning, like everything looked awesome in VR. And so... I, you know, I'm, I, I know that it's come a way, way, or it's come a long way in terms of, you know, the, the, the detail and everything that you put into it, but it still looked really great in the beginning. So to me, it's just awesome that you have this kind of commitment to, to excellence and commitment to quality on it. But I do want to just say that that was one of the things that has always stood out to us, that you've kind of been navigating this road on your own. And it's always been really impressive to Ronnie and myself. Yeah. And, and honestly, like to this day, I, I can't really explain how, I mean, I look back on it and like, holy cow, I'd come home from work and just like sit there for like five hours until 11 (laughs) o'clock at night. It was every single day and then like 12 hours on the weekend. But like when you're that passionate and that committed to something, uh, it it's like it's easy. It it just goes by like like, I've been up since like 4 a.m. this morning. I got up a few hours early before I logged on from my day job uh, to, to do a few things. But yeah, it's it's you know, it's a it's a great reason to get up in the morning. Um, that's amazing but yeah you know even more so like after releasing on early access like you know the game was doing okay i didn't do any marketing for it so you know it was probably the best i could have expected but um you know as i've continued to update it especially after i added the asymmetric co-op um that's when things started to pick up a little bit more and you know it's not like it's a beat saber or anything like that but it's like turned into like kind of a legit a legitimate side job Um, Just, just curious on that front like when you knew that you were adding the the asymmetrical multiplayer stuff like what is that like how did you get out get the word out that there was that update coming and that you know that this was because obviously you put a ton of work into it yes and people need to know about it right so 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 having a game that's been out on the market and then and then bringing an update like that like how did you kind of get people to to know you know it that's probably one of the things that i did not do well at all was you know i'm just pretty much using the baked in steam tools you know the steam announcements um i i'm i'm the type of person that i find marketing very hard to do Uh, i don't like trying to point to people and say hey please buy my game um you know it just feels disingenuous i feel like a car salesman or something um you know no offense to any car salesman out there but um, (laughs) we get we get the um, reference yeah (laughs) but um but uh yeah it's uh it's just 
when uh, when the local co-op uh, first came out, uh, that's when reviews really started to pick up in a you know in a positive fashion, obviously. And when I first released the local co-op, I mean, man, it was just like super super basic. It was literally like any of the Unity devs will know exactly what I'm talking about. But it was just like a camera that you could control with the mouse, and it basically just did what's called a raycast, where you're just checking to see if you're hitting a zombie or not. And you can move that mm. camera around, and I just slapped a sniper scope texture over it, and like people even even in that like really simple state, people really seemed to enjoy it. Um, yeah. So then let's see and that following april is when i like officially came out of um like early access which you know looking back it was probably too soon i should have added a little bit more features but even after that that was two years ago and i still just continued to kind of push updates um but yeah once once it really took off was um when i added the uh like the full like a full first person controller where you can actually walk around together on the ground um the the sniper has like full animations now so you can zoom in zoom back out of the scope you've got full like reload animations and everything um, which adds that you know extra touch of quality to it but yeah being able to walk around is obviously you know so much more fun than just kind of sitting up perched and kind of helping out as a sniper being able to to run the game both instances on a single pc was that challenging to to, to get running smoothly or yeah, like, did you... yeah it definitely was there's a lot of tricks that i had to do behind the scenes um there's a few levels that are a little bit more intense than others and so like on the pc player i'll set like the um i think it's called like the clip clip uh clipping range of the camera and I'll set it in really close and then you set fog in on top of that. So that way you're basically cutting the player's view off like really early, but they can't tell because the fog slightly overlaps it. Mm. Um, and so just little tricks like that, uh, reducing the uh, field of view on the PC player was another part. Um, and then uh, uh, recently, uh, a big portion of it, because I actually threw out, there was a level and there's like, and that's, that's the worst part of like doing an early access game is like, all the crappy videos of like how terrible things looked are still out there. So people are probably seeing it and think, Oh, this is, this game's a joke. Um, but basically one of the levels I got so frustrated with, cause I just wasn't happy with it looked I threw the whole thing out. But you know, in doing that obviously brought in uh, much better uh, textures, meshes. So it, it looked great. Um, but yeah, the performance was definitely a challenge to get right. And so, um, uh, you, you basically do, uh, what's called occlusion. So if you don't build, like if your levels tend to get lengthy, um, if a player stands in a corner of a level and turns around, even though there might be a building in the middle of your level, that's blocking the whole back end of your level, that's all still getting rendered, even though it doesn't need to be. Um, mm. so you kind of have to build a system where you're looking at where the player's at and you know, if there's objects they can't see, even if it's within their viewpoint, um, you mm. want to basically disable those objects. So you're not spending mm. time rendering them. So, so there's a lot of manual, like, like lots, hog yes, yeah. lots of smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I gotcha. Ooh. And, and was this just trial and error? You figuring out what worked and what didn't work or oh, like, yeah. when you went out? Yeah. Cause, cause when you went about doing this, I mean, I can't imagine there are a ton of examples of asymmetric, like VR PC. I, like, I, I know there are a few titles out there that do it, to varying degrees, but there can't be a ton of tutorials or anything like that on that. No, list. no, there was there was no tutorial of that. Yeah, I mean, when I was started, yeah, obviously there was a lot of tutorials involved, but um, yeah, that's the one thing you don't find, and it's like at that point, like you know, you're either like you you've learned enough to kind of wing it on your own, and there was obviously a lot of winging it and a lot of trial and error, more error, but you know, plenty of trial. Um, but yeah, it, you know, somehow it it ended up coming together. So, so I want to I want to go back to the idea of you know releasing an early act. Like, I'm curious about what your experience has taught you, kind of about the whole early access, you know, release model, and what are the pros, what are the cons? Like, I would imagine to some extent, like if you didn't have you know the chance to kind of build this stage by stage, you know, you would have never been able to do what you did. But at the same time, it sounds like you. You also don't like some of that old stuff that's out there since it was such an early, you know, an early title. So to just talk. Yeah, if you could talk a little bit about about what your experience has been like with early access. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the game, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff out there you read, you know, about there's plenty of early access titles that get abandoned. And, you know, you either can, you know, you know people love it or hate it. Um, for me, it was particularly valuable because like, I think one of the biggest advantages I had was I had that first mover advantages. I mean, this was 2016, the BIFA come out in April and I was able to release, like, even though it was really, really rough, something in, in September. Um, mm -hmm. and so once you kind of start building that base up of those reviews and, you know, even a little bit of buzz that was around it, um, yeah. I feel like it was a little bit easier to coast on that. Uh, but the only problem with early access is like, especially in my position, it's like I've got a day job and it's like it's this huge commitment out here. 
Uh, I mean, you know, at least I'm not taking Kickstarter money or anything, but still, you know, you feel a commitment because people have spent money, you've advertised this product to them, and you said this is going to be this great thing six months from now. Um, and even that following April when I've like fully released it, like deep down, I still didn't feel I'm like, oh, you know, I, I could have done a better job on it. Um, but yeah, the, the, you know, the, uh, sorry, um, the, the, when it, once it really took off was probably just from the networking and, and, um, you know, meeting someone that was able to help with the, with the texturing and everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that, I mean, Zane was, I think the Zane, I think you, you were the one that initially caught wind of, of the game and like, and, and started reaching out to Thomas and everything. Like, yeah, this, I, mean, I mean, I definitely, this, this was early on. Cause we, we started the podcast, I think roughly the same time I, I got my vibe in mid September and it was those conversations that you and I were having Ronnie where, you know, just like, why don't we start recording these conversations and, and kind of yeah. go from there. But yeah, I, at, at that time I was still very, very good about like literally every day going into steam and checking out what was like newly released or, or doing that regularly. And so came across containment initiative, uh, thought I'd give it a try. And, um, yeah, I mean, here we are. It's uh, it's actually really cool that to see how far it's it's come along, just kind of based off of randomly going through Steam. But um, right. yeah, I mean, well, to, oh, I sorry, was going to say, you, you make a really good point, and that's something I want to touch on too. Is like, you know, I always read these articles, and actually, this was like two days ago where someone said to me on a forum, uh, "Oh, um, you know, uh, v, uh, Steam's pulling support from VR. They're not publicizing it as much, and VR is such a small market." You know, those were the comments, and I feel like we hear that so much. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is, is like, I, I feel like more often than not, when I see like just any developers like me, you know, one or just a two or three man teams, uh, releasing like a standalone PC title. I mean, you better have all your ducks in the row. You better be a roguelike, a souls, like, uh, open world RPG. You better take all those boxes off and have online multiplayer to top it all off. And like, that's impossible to do for a small team. So aside from having like a really unique art style that you can draw people in with immediately, um, it's just too difficult to stand out. Whereas VR, um, and actually I was reading an article about like that basically people know what they like in the PC space and, you know, on, on consoles and they tend to stick with those genres. But I feel like VR is this like grassroots community that's kind of been built from the ground up. And, you know, the community knows that, uh, they, they are the ones that are going to pick the winners and losers. And, you know, they're the ones that are going to give these games chances. So I feel like that's absolutely worked in my favor. And, you know, you look at the, the, the big VR games is like, like, I can't even really name anything aside from uh, what, like Fallout and uh, Skyrim, that a big name company has done. Like all the all the ones that I'm going to remember ten years ago with the classics are the ones done by small teams, you know, uh, yeah. Job Simulator and uh, and Space Pirate Trainer and Hollow Point and you know all these yep. games. You know, those were the first, and that's the that's the and you know that's another advantage I think that we have as developers in VR is the medium. Uh, gives people so much excitement that your game doesn't have to be amazing. I mean, you just look at these games. They're very simple games. They're very polished and very well done. But essentially what you're doing is very simple, but it, they're still great. Yeah, no, and, it, and it's crazy. I was actually thinking about this either today or yesterday. I'm trying to remember when. Like, I was randomly thinking about, like, when is it finally going to get through to my brain that I, I shouldn't be waiting for the AAA developers to release games that get me excited in vr like right. we already have the best titles coming to us and and it's it's the stuff that we get now that's always the stuff that that really like gets me excited and and and, and blows me away right like yeah like yeah like like somehow i'll see i'll see some big triple a game coming to vr you know months in advance and you know the anticipation will be there and like oh man i, I wonder if this is going to be really good and i start i start reading things online uh about how you know you know essentially marketing stuff just to get me pumped for the game or whatnot and then like countless times i, I pick those titles up and i launch them and i play them and i'm disappointed because yes. they don't they don't run as well as the games I usually play. They don't yes, they're exactly. not they're not optimized for VR. Like it's no. clear from the moment you get into these games that they weren't developed by someone that that is a VR user, you know? Right. There's something about VR that attracts a different type of person, I think. Yeah, and, no, you're absolutely right. And these and and like you said, like whether it be shorter experience like like I don't know if 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 it if the People that are in VR development tend to make these different types of experiences that are, you know, more tailored to, to folks like you and me who are a little bit older and don't have as much time to sink like, you know, 10 hours a day into a game. Right. But 
but yeah, I'm totally with you on that in terms of, I, I feel like the community kind of has this, uh, I don't know, this cohesion to it in terms of the people right now that are playing the games, the people that are making the games, the people that are out there, uh, you know, talking about games on Reddit or whatnot, the people that are uh, making content on various platforms, YouTube podcasts. And like, that's one of the things that's been so cool is to see this group kind of, you know, grow together. And that that's, that's part of what was so cool about, you know, the prospect of having you back on the show is because obviously, like you said, like you, you, since we spoke to you, you, uh, you know, got someone else to help you with, tons of art assets and it really shows the game is beautiful. Like for, for us, we, we had somebody reach out to us, like someone that really liked our podcast that ended up, you know, joining us on the show and helping us with a bunch of stuff too. And we've been, you know, attending all kinds of conferences and meeting developers of, uh, I don't know, at this point, most of the games that I'd, I'd say we play, we've, we've, we now have relationships with. So it's, yeah, it's kind of it's it's crazy, you know. It's and it's and it's something that I think is unique to VR, and I think I, I think even if the number if the numbers stay the same for for a while here, I, I think there's something to that, you know, that there's a, a loyalty and like a. I, I mean, I don't know about other people out there, but I sure as hell have spent a ton of money on VR. <laughs> so yeah. Same. I, it's but, just, it's well, just it, to your yeah. to your point, Ronnie, uh, and and also just like just thinking about like the community. There's there's this cohesion, there's this collaboration. But I think, and and I'm trying to tie everything together that we've been talking about. But like even even going back to like early access, for example, I think what makes the community really awesome is the fact that your voice can easily be heard by the people that are directly involved in making these games, uh, a la yep. someone like you, Thomas. Like, so, so the thing is like, instead of, you know, with AAA, it's just like the game comes out and it's either great or it's not, you know, or it, right. it's just, it's just one of those things. Whereas here, I think it takes a very special kind of person who's in not a very good place in their life to just come out and like totally shit on a game. Right. Like, uh, right. and I'm talking about within VR, <laughs> like most of the time people yeah. are going to be like, ah, like this could be better. This could be, you know, it's cool. But for the most part, like everybody, at least right now and over the last three years, and this may change over the next 12 to 18 months, but, but over the last three years, especially it's, it's been all early adopters and people who are really passionate about this and who want to see it succeed. It's, it's, it's folks like myself and Ronnie where it's just like, you know, we, we try this game out and even if it's not great, like we want to talk to the developers or uh, or we want to kind of find out what the story is behind the game and like what they're doing to make it better. How are they getting feedback? What are, is the feedback that they're getting? Like to me, it's just fascinating because like the technology is completely unlike anything else that is out right now. And so to yep. be able to be part of that community, which granted is small compared to the gaming community overall, but is still pretty large in terms of it spanning multiple continents and countries and things like that. So you're getting awesome feedback and, and kind of just this, this really cohesive, um, I don't know, amalgamation of like what this community is um, over the, the course of the last three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I was going to say you you hit on a perfect point is that people give you the benefit of the doubt in this in this medium uh, because like you said people want to see these games succeed and I, I think in particular too like for any new developers this is something that I probably failed to do at first because I didn't have enough faith in my game that it was any good uh, but now like I feel like now that it's to this point and I'm like actually pretty happy with where it's at these days um, you know I feel like you almost have to market it as a service. So like recently, about a few weeks ago, uh, one of the players reached out to me and said, hey, you should start a Discord. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't know how many people will join. And like two weeks later, we've got like 50 people on there. (laughs) And uh, it's just kind of like taking a life of its own. And like, but it's been really nice too, because, uh, and again, this is like, this is almost like a service that you're offering customers because now it's on the store page. If someone has a question before they buy or if they bought, they they have a suggestion or they they have a bug or something, they can come on immediately. Uh, You know, it goes to my phone so I can can answer it anytime. And, uh, you know, people love when they suggest things and you turn them around in like 48 hours. You're like, hey, this is a great idea. Let me see what I can do. And then two days later, you're like, hey, go check out Dev Branch and see what you think. Um, Dude, that's I mean, incredible. That is- yeah, no, that's value, and you're creating like such a valuable image for your for yourself or your company uh, by doing that. But um, well, yeah, that was like that just leads to word of mouth marketing, right? Like a lot of people who when when it's 
it's almost like if you compare it to like a celebrity, right? When, when somebody like gets a, a, a signature, not a signature, but like an autograph or a shout out or something like people get excited about that. But the fact that like you're able to engage with people who are playing your game and uh, giving, you know, suggesting constructive criticism or feedback and then being able to turn around yep. on that, you know, that to me is like that they're going to be spreading the word about, oh man, this game is awesome. Like this, the developer, like, I mean, that, that was one of the, the things that we would talk about initially. Uh, sorry, not, not we would talk about, but one of the things that the community would get excited about is just like, hey, is the developer responsible? Are they uh, listening to the community? Are they involved? Like things like that, I think really go a long way. And that's, and that's mm-hmm. really only yeah. in the VR community right now. I mean, granted, I'm sure it's in other communities. I, obviously I'm very like blinded or blindsided by the fact that I'm very much involved in the VR community, but I do think that that is something unique to smaller communities. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think it seems to be way more prevalent in VR. Um, yeah, no, but you're you're exactly right, and uh, yeah, truthfully, that's something that I should have been doing, you know, a long time ago. It's one thing when you're responding to Steam forum posts and saying, "Hey, you know, let me look at this, and I'll try to get back to you tomorrow." But when you've got that instant feedback, mm-hmm. um, and just from like just from like your own mental health perspective, when you're on voice channel and someone comes in and says, "Dude, I love your game. I've had so much fun with it. You know, <laughs> me and my wife." We play it. We're having a blast covering each other and, and yelling at each other back and forth. Like that's there's just nothing that compares to that, and that's what keeps you going to you know want to do more. Yeah, I mean, I, being able to get that type of feedback, I'm sure, is extremely motivating for you. Like it's it just it's not just the it's not just the negative things, and I mean that in a, in a, in a good way, where it's just like you get a negative feedback and you're able to turn on it, but also be, getting the positive things like helps you keep going and, and feel like there's a lot of value that you're providing to other people. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So, uh, I mean, Ronnie kind of touched on this before, and I know before we even hit record, we were talking about it, but some of the, like, if you could give, I don't know, I'm going to throw an arbitrary two to three, like, what are some of the big pitfalls that, like, you've stumbled upon or, or you know, just kind of stepping stones, things like that, that you would maybe advise, like, developers who are either getting started now or even who, who might be in the same or similar place, um, I, yeah. I guess, like, and, and again, your your experience is is very specific to containment initiative, and you and feel free to dive into the specifics of that because we do have a, a very large uh, portion of our of our base being uh, our listener base being uh, developers. So feel free to get into the nitty gritty. I, I may uh, I may not be able to follow along, but I know Ronnie will. But uh, yeah, if you give like two to three things, like what are you know what are were some of the things where it's just like man, if I knew this now. Um, mm-hmm. or if I, if I'd known this before, like it would have, it would have saved me this many steps or something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, there's like probably some of the biggest ones. There was one that I did, like, I felt like I actually started off, believe it or not, even though I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. Uh, I started off really well at, um, was controlling the scope of the game because it's like as a one man team, you know, you've only got so many hours in the day. And so when I released that initial, you know, uh, prototype into early access, it was literally just standing there and shooting zombies. And that was about all there was, because that was all that I, I could do. Um, and so gradually I opened that up. So as you've seen this game develop, that's a lot of that's my skill improving as a programmer. Um, mm. And, and you know, as, as well as level design and just game design loops in general. Um, but yeah, I felt like I actually did that really, really well at first. I started small and I slowly built on it. Um, where things probably got out of control was, uh, let's see, this was probably... This is a little bit over a year ago. Um, so there's actually a standalone PC app of containment initiative for like a buck. And so this is when I started doing online. And this is when things I felt like probably got hairy. And I, I honestly wish I never would have done online because it was way too much for me to for me to take on at the time. Uh, and it just added such a, a, a unnecessary uh, complexity to like everything I do now in the game. And so basically I started exploring online. Um, I basically got like two of the the survival levels. So basically you can stand there with a buddy and you can shoot zombies. It's definitely like a sideshow thing. Um, mm-hmm. But like any negative reviews I had always mentioned that like we want to see more online because people asked for it for the long, mm. longest time. I caved. I, I did it, but it wasn't, you know, like I said, you need more people. I'm only one dude. So you can, you can, you can only do so much. And so that was when I think the scope probably got a little bit out of control. I'm trying to pull it back right now because for a while, what I was doing is I was basically uh, porting every single map that I made or any, every feature from the VR version and making some form of that available on the PC standalone. But the PC standalone sales were like nothing compared to the VR version. That's why I'm sitting here telling you like, go for VR, don't go for PC, uh, 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 non-VR uh, platform, because I don't know, just from my own experience, I feel like it's just so easy to stand out in VR, and it's not at all on the on the uh, non-VR systems. Um, it's, but yeah, it's that, really, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's really interesting you mentioned scope, is it because obviously from the develop, 
developer side, uh, I can imagine you know all of the huge advantages you would have from from limiting your scope. But even just like the most memorable VR experiences that I've had, like thinking back to them, most of them are are limited in scope. They're smaller mm-hmm. experience that are that allows the developers to really pour their attention into in, in detail into those into those those specific aspects of their game. You know, exactly. Um, You've only like, got. Go, go ahead. Like, sorry. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, like with containment initiative, you're you like what you decided to do, which was really brilliant, is to make this gameplay loop that was really like like unique and 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 self-contained. Like even to this day, um, I can remember from the first time that I talked to you, um, your gameplay loop of being basically you know dropping into these into these levels. You know, taking out zombies, getting as getting as much as you can out of the level, and then you know, and then getting out of there on the chopper. You know, and yep. it was it, it was like a simple, like a it like it's such a a clever way to kind of limit the scope, so then you can focus on all of the things that are going to go. Like basically, instead of the scope being limitless, you have just like from you know point A to point D that you know that the player is going to be you know doing these things and you can you can focus on those few tasks and make them as good as possible yeah and uh, you know i will say too like one of the like i was trying to put some sort of unique twists on it and so essentially what happens in the game just just you know for all your listeners to understand so you know obviously zombie wave shooters were always popular and probably always will be popular because they're easy to make um but uh, on this, I wanted to at least try to differentiate myself before I had the local co-op. And so basically, it's kind of like, it's almost like a betting mechanic. And um, I, I, I like don't want to mention the name Dark Souls because everyone wants to say Dark Souls. But think about Dark Souls. And essentially, what you're doing in Dark Souls is you're kind of betting against your own skill because you're saying like, okay, uh, I'm almost to the next bonfire or checkpoint. I've got all these souls. If I die, I could potentially lose all of them. So do I want to basically peel back to the last one and not make any progress, but still level up or do I want to mm-hmm. take the risk and push forward? And so that's kind of the, the, you know, the thought process there is like, you can press the button at any time to escape the level, but mm-hmm. um, you know, if you die at any time and you wait until it's too late, then you've lost the money that you've earned in the level. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I'll say with that, um, I go back and forth on it because some people really like it. Other people say, Oh, this is ridiculous. It's too hard. Uh, and that's actually what kind of led me. And this is when you like really start to like look at your core gameplay loop. I was like, all right, well, so what can I do to at least give people some sort of feeling of progress when they die and lose all their money? And so that's what kind of led me to have like objectives on every level. So the Mm -hmm. objectives are kind of like cumulative. So you're still making progress even if you die. So I feel like hopefully Mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, took care of some of that frustration of dying. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely, I want people to die. It's just that, you know, you obviously <laughs> don't want to die too much. Um, but yeah, it's like when you really start looking at it, it's like you, you go a little crazy trying to design these gameplay loops on something that's like, you know, engaging and, and fun without being too crazy difficult. Well, I, I just wanted to say also uh, regarding the kind of escape button that you that you had there, that was a unique factor and and one that I really enjoyed just because of the fact that like I mean zombie games are awesome. I'm not big into the horror genre in general, but like you know I, I was trying all the different zombie games and I think to me what what made it awesome maybe it's just for my own like psychological and emotional support was the ability to be able to to do something productive, to get in, to shoot zombies, and then to be able to escape. Like the game, the game would end when I would dictate that it would end. And once I'd had enough and felt like I had done something and earned money and was able to buy another gun or whatever, rather than playing this kind of endless wave where the game only ends when I get eaten by a zombie. You know what I mean? And so, mm-hmm. and so granted, like, again, I know I, I'm sure I'm, I'm probably in the minority about this, but to me, that was something that was very unique that stood out where it wasn't there, there was initiatives and, and, uh, even objectives before you actually put those objectives in, like, you know, I would be like, all right, I'm going to go in and I'm going to try and earn like such and such and then, and then clock out and then do that again or whatever the case was. But it, it added a different element to gameplay rather than just your standard wave shooter. Right. And so, so uh, I think too, like, after adding the objectives, obviously you've got to have like a, a, and that was a challenge too, is like designing a smooth progression system. And like, actually I just got a complaint about this the other day because someone told me that 
you know, you should absolutely have enough money to buy the next weapon down the line after doing one mission. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know. I go back and forth on it because, like, I understand that point of view. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you want to find a balance there, obviously. Um, and so, like, I've, I've tried to design kind of like multiple systems of progression. So, you know, you've got the supply crates to earn you money. You've got medical crates. It's almost like, you know, you think about a lot of the the big, um, not MMOs, but like Destiny, where they've got all these different um uh, tokens and different currencies and stuff. And it, it's a little bit like that, not taken to that ridiculous of a level. Um, but you're kind of providing different avenues and you can force people into doing different mechanics. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think that probably provides a, a, a pretty satisfying gameplay loop. Oh, and then um, actually one, one thing that really helped uh, uh, recently was I added a loot system. So now the zombies will actually drop like money. They'll drop upgrades so you can get different, like it's like statistical upgrades. Your, your weapons will do more damage to the mutants or the zombies. If you have armor piercing your hollow, hollow point rounds. Um, and it adds that extra element. So you're not just like going to point A, getting a crate, taking it back. Um, but you know, there's always that element of chance because essentially you're designing a slot machine to, you know, cause that's really what mostly games are is, you know, you're gambling your yeah. time, hope of a dopamine hit. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think that really helped too. And then also one thing I went back and in, in the 1.5 update, which was, I think I did it in this last May. Um, that was like really like the biggest, biggest one yet was, you know, it's like you look at it and it's like, okay, if your core gameplay loop is shooting zombies, shooting zombies better feel really damn good. So I went back and added like full dismemberment to all the zombies, took out a bunch of old zombie models, substituted better ones, uh, completely redid the blood. Like when you guys played, it was this kind of like omnidirectional blood. Um, yeah, it was like a sprite. I remember. Yeah, it was. It really didn't look that great. Now I've like I've really got it looking great. So it actually like explodes out towards where the shot originated from. And so like if you're gonna do blood in a game, what I've found works really well is if you do kind of a two layered system where if you have you have like your inner hit is basically like a goopy liquid, and then on top of that you. Draw a miss and the miss should project outwards towards the player and go a little bit farther <laughs> and encompass and like man once i did that like oh i just it feels so right now <laughs> yeah i know i, it's I the little touches, big difference. Man. it is it's really it's small things and it's just lots of iteration and then another thing was like the slow motion headshots like i figured that i actually did that like after release and so if a zombie gets close enough and you do a headshot there's like a random chance of everything slowing down and you can just kind of spin around like john wick style and you know pop a couple <laughs> heads off um but yeah, no. So you know, just small things like that. You, you think it's small, but when you're when that's your core gameplay loop, I mean, it like I said, it better feel pretty good. I, I have a quick question, not to derail from the from the tips discussion, but I think this is important. Uh, as you're making these these design changes and as you're adding and subtracting stuff for the game, uh, what has your experience taught you about uh, you know explaining those changes to the player in the game? Like, ha- oh, like, that's actually like a as. Question. Yeah, because because oh. I'm really curious about it because because there's so much in the game and there's so much to to teach the player. So yes. How have you gone about doing that? <laughs> Not very successfully up until about two weeks ago. So uh, that, that was actually one of the things I wanted to cover is, uh, is be ready to have a very difficult time developing a, a decent tutorial. That's probably one of the hardest things I've had to do. And that's why I, I, I like I had a tutorial. It was like eh, it was kind of serviceable. Um, it was basically like. And you'll see this, like you, you'll kind of notice games that have like maybe inexperienced developers or a smaller team when you get in a tutorial and it's just like walls of text is because they just couldn't figure out what to do next. And that's kind of what where this was for a while. Um, and so basically that was that was a lot of the, I think, complaints I saw was basically the tutorial wasn't forced on the player. Uh, and they could potentially go into any level and immediately zombies are on top of you and you've got a reload system. If you've never used a gun, then you probably don't know how it works. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that, that's automatic frustration. And so with this last up, the 1.6 update I released about two weeks ago, um, I threw the old tutorial out. And so now I've designed a new system, which so far I've heard nothing but, but positives on, um, where basically you're kind of, you're just basically watching what the player's doing and you're prompting them based on whatever they're doing. Um, so basically you just kind of got like a script that kind of piggybacks on like your weapon mechanics. And so, you know, I, I've just got like a tutorial manager, uh, with, a, with a few, um, methods that just take a few arguments and and basically when you when you reload your pistol like when you drop the clip you know it provides this you know hey this is step one and it calls this method so the net the method knows to display some text and so now it knows that you've dropped your weapon i've got this like massive uh green like glowing pistol that's like against the building that's just kind of like 
I guess it's kind of stylistic, but basically I've animated it based on what the player's doing. So when the player drops their clip, you'll see the clip going in and out of the gun, clearly showing, hey, you should you should grab this clip. And then there's like actually a mm. marker that goes from the gun to the magazine so they can clearly see. And so, that, like I said, that so far I think has been really, really valuable. Um, and I, I haven't forced the player into it, but uh, essentially I'm strongly pushing them into it when they first start the game because it will keep bothering you. It will keep popping up the tutorial as the default stage until you do it. Uh, and then plus you're actually shooting zombies. Whereas before, I think I just had like a target. Um, and so you're actually like, you're on the safety of the roof. So if anyone gets like really freaked out by VR, this, this shouldn't be a big deal. You can look down and just see some zombies in the street and you just kind of follow along with the prompts. You kill 10. And every time you need to reload, it prompts you and says, Hey, you, you just ran out of ammo. You need to drop your clip next. And then once you do that, you, you do the next step and then you need to cock the gun. And so you're displaying that to the player and hopefully reinforcing that a few times. But to answer your question, like that's that's always been my biggest fear of like implementing new mechanics is how do you tell the player about this stuff? And I know for me too, like just the game types that I've gravitated toward as I've gotten towards as I've gotten older are all game types that aren't like like you said, they're very simple because like anymore i don't feel like sitting there learning like i do enough learning on my job and 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 with containment initiative like i just want to sit down and hit play and have fun immediately i don't want to learn any systems i don't care um you know doom 2016 is like the the most pure form of entertainment <laughs> i think of right now and so yeah. many games are like are right there with that you know with that mindset but um yeah it's it's a huge challenge huh very interesting so then yeah what's so so i guess so so one was control your scope two is is I guess focus on 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 the tutorial. Make sure that 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 intru- introducing players to mechanics are very clean and 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 really think that process out. Mm-hmm. And then I would and, say there's there's probably two more that were big for me um, was finding a niche. Uh, that's something I felt like I did really well, even though I say I did it really well. It was more of like just trial and error, and eventually you find something that like, hey, you know what, this is really cool, and no one else is doing it. Um, and so, yeah, the local asymmetric co-op, if you go, go to V, um, go, if you go on steam right now and you look at virtual reality section and you tick the local co-op box, you will only see like maybe what, 20, 30 games at most, at least the last time I checked, there were not many at all. Um, so that right there immediately, that's probably why the, the game has stood out in the, uh, in the, the whatever the steam algorithm runs and, and displays, mm-hmm. uh, the game. So that was, that was huge for me. Uh, the niche was definitely a success. Um, <laughs> and then the other big one that I, I didn't do, which I think I mentioned was probably networking and marketing more. Cause really mm-hmm. when I came on you guys show the first time, that was like one of the only things I think I ever did. I never, I reached out to maybe a few YouTubers, tried to give keys, got a couple videos here and there. Uh, the mm-hmm. steam curator system seems to work like decently. I've gotten some reviews mm-hmm. from that. Um, but yeah, I should have marketed a lot more. Hmm. It's interesting listening to it, It's interesting listening to, to your words of advice because they obviously apply to developing VR games, but in general, they, they also apply to just like starting projects <laughs> and, and any like, project working that on you your, can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. like just think about like, like I'm, I'm literally thinking about this from the perspective of our podcast, like mm-hmm. controlling the scope of your podcast and, you know, not necessarily to the tutorial part, but, uh, scope the niche the marketing like all that stuff is are are things that can apply to all kinds of stuff so uh, that's one of the things that's i think so invaluable about jumping into to something like this be it your first time developing a title or uh launching you know trying to become like a an online content creator of some sort like if you're interested and you just you once you jump in i i I think you learn so much from doing something like this on your own. It's like, it's it's kind of mind-boggling, you know, when you step back and look at it after three years. Kind of, you know, if you were to do things over, how much now you you've learned from this process. But really, like, if you're doing it on your own, it's it's hard. It you know, sometimes you kind of have to learn from experience, I guess. Yeah, and you look at it, you know, and it's like I look back and like, you know, what could I have done differently? But like, all things considered. Like I said, my game's not like a beat saber or something, but like it's it's like done pretty well. It did it beat the hell out of any expectations I would have had. I really expected nothing from it. But you know, I look back and I'm like, you know, if I had to do this again, like honestly, I don't know. Like it's it's a huge combination of like being in the right place at the right time, having the right skills, and you know, getting lucky, and obviously, you know, making sure your customer base is happy. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I would have been successful doing it again or not. That's why I'm gonna keep working on this game for now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was I was gonna ask you if you had any aspects aspirations to start something from scratch with everything you've learned or but but obviously it you know the hard part is i i guess for any any artist really is 
like when do you when is your work finished right like right, when is right. when is containment initiative going to be what you envision it could be and that's yeah, that, that's a hard thing to answer it is and you know like uh, it was about a year ago like i took a, a, a pretty decent break from it and uh, um you know, normally it'll be a break and then you'll see someone like say something nice about it online or something or or um, the guy that, bucks my, uh, that, that does my textures will say, hey, man, when are we, we going to get back to work? I'm like, ah, <laughs> and finally, you know, I'll cave. And then, you know, like three weeks into it, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m. every day, like, you know, doing a few hours before work and then doing a few hours before bed. And it's just like it, it it's wholly <laughs> just takes over every waking thought and most of your unwaking thoughts, too. Um, yeah, it's 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 tough work, but it's extremely, extremely rewarding. I have an interesting question. It, this might be hard like to answer on the spot, but if there's a type of game or a type of experience that is missing in VR right now, what what, what do you think that that is? Like, what's yeah, something that you just man like no one's done this yet? Like, but I, I I'm I'm probably not in the best position to answer that because like honestly I've like there was a long time where I wasn't playing anything just because like when I was spending hours and hours on it at the end of the day I was like yeah I just don't really feel like I just want to like sit down and play a game on the switch or or yeah. you know just like a really just a brain dead game and just kind of like let my mind decompress for a while but yeah. like I don't know I really and this was something I was thinking about like I was actually thinking like crazy thoughts you know don't quote me on this I said that last time I, I came on the show about the local co-op so who knows what you <laughs> see but, um you know I was thinking I was like you know what would be really cool is like I'd really like to see more roguelike games because uh, you know that's that's turned into a genre that I've like really started to enjoy quite a bit um where basically you know you're you're essentially you make an extremely difficult game. The player is designed to die multiple times, but every time they die, they make just a little bit of progress and they get a little bit stronger. And there's a lot of variation. Like the, the best uh, recent uh, example is like Risk of Rain 2 or like Children of Morta. I've been playing the heck out of both of those. And yeah, it's, it's just a blast. And you get the randomization. That's the slot machine effect is you never know what you're going to get. Um, so I'd like to see a lot more roguelikes in, in VR. And plus, I think they, they can potentially be like really short and sweet experiences where you can hop in and hop out. Um yeah, that that would definitely be something to see. That's that's a good that's, answer. And, and what about what about the uh, the current hardware platforms that are out there? What are your thoughts on that? Like, I know recently, I guess you're getting into the Oculus ecosystem a little bit more, right? A little bit. So that was actually this is perfect because this is something that I failed utterly on. Is I bought a Vive designed for the Vive, and I put off getting an Oculus for so long because I just I didn't <laughs> spend I didn't want to spend the you know the money I made with the game on on like hardware. And we did the same like, thing. <laughs> it was a stupid, stupid thing to do because essentially you're flying blind. Uh, I've got a few testers, and every once in a while, you know, some people will be like, "Oh yeah, it worked okay," and then other people will say it, it doesn't. And then come to find out, like there's like literally I can't remember what it is, but it's like. There's a method, I think it's called like trigger click. And I, I want to say the Oculus like doesn't have it and the Vive does. And I think I was calling it in my UI on the main menu. So like Oculus people essentially had to like hold down the trigger for this was about a year ago, maybe I think until I fixed it. Um, uh, but yeah, they basically had to like hold the trigger down. So it wasn't working for some people. And it was like the longest time before I knew. And, and that goes back to like like having faith in your game and like reaching out and marketing. And finally, I applied to this Oculus Start program and like they sent me a Rift and a, and a Go and all this stuff. And they, they they're, um, uh, invited me to the, uh, the Oculus uh, Connect 6. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I wish I would have done that a long time ago. But at least now I've got like, hey, you know what? I've got a product that I've had that I have faith in, and I can show it to them and say, hey, you know, can you accept me into this program? And you know, hopefully it was a quick accept on their part. But um, yeah, I should have done it a long time ago. Yeah, no, we were the same. We were in the same boat because uh, I mean, and if you don't recall, yeah, the first couple of times you're on the podcast, we were everything Vive. Yep. Now we're everything virtual. And yep. it was kind of the same thing. It was, it was, I mean, I'm sure like you, it just arose out of the fact that you had a vibe at the time we had vibes and we're like, mm -hmm. okay, let's, let's work with what we have. But then as you get deeper into it, you realize, man, like there's, there's more to this than just one platform or like, you know, one, you know, one, one set of hardware. There's, there's tons of people out there using all kinds of different stuff. And, and you never really know exactly how things are going to shake out, what's going to be you know, more popular, like what's popular one generation might not be as popular the next generation and so forth. Like now we have Valve out with their own headset. We have standalone VR from Oculus. We have kind of everything in between. And really there's no way to, you know, yeah, there's there's so much out there that it's kind of silly to, to limit yourself to one if you can help it. Yeah, well, it really I, is. Actually, uh, oh. 
Go ahead, Zane. Well, I, I was just going to say this kind of goes back to what you were talking about in terms of scope, because I think we had uh, almost a similar, if not identical, kind of approach to it where... I thought we were we really good. we were really good in the beginning because we made a very conscious decision to say like, hey, we both have vibes. I know Ronnie had uh, one of the dev kits for the the riff, but yeah. we both had vibes, so we were yeah. going to stick with the vibe and just focus on that because that's that's what we like, that's what we had, that's what we could speak to. And then in the back of our minds, like I, I think we both knew for the longest time we were going to have to rebrand and open up, and it really wasn't until the the Oculus Quest came out that it kind of forced our hand where we're like, well, hey, this is out. It's it's making waves. It's something that we love because we have it now. And so had we had we just thought about scope early on and and not um, and not kind of to me like we we kind of just dragged our feet on it and waited until um, mm-hmm. uh, w- waited until. Uh, it was our hand was forced essentially, and now it's it's great in the sense that like you know we we can talk about all these different things, but we are trying to still keep it focused. But I, I just wanted to tie it back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of scope because I think we had something similar in that sense. Yeah, no, and and like it's funny too because until you try the Oculus, like this kit that they sent me, uh, you know, it can, it can I guess you can you can purchase a third camera, uh, the IR cameras, but uh, you know I think the the default setting is or the setup is to have two of them. Uh, and you just don't realize like containment initiative was built for room scale. So that made me like, I threw the entire main menu out. Uh, it's got like a whole new model and everything is basically in front or like on the side of the player. Cause before the options were behind you. And so with Oculus, you, you tend to lose tracking if you turn around. And then, so I also had to uh, implement snap turn. Um, but honestly, like for development, I'm, I'm actually really digging the Oculus because it's so light. And when I'm taking something on and off again, a million times, yeah. and I don't, to have the uh, the trackers plugged in, um, that's been really nice. Although I have to say, I just got an index a few weeks ago, and I am loving it. <laughs> yeah, we we I have an index. Yeah, Zane doesn't have one yet, but I have one. Thanks and for I, rubbing it in. I, I love that thing as well. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. I, yeah. I will uh, I will make sure. I still need to come and try it, so I'll I'll do that soon. But. Yeah, no. yeah, it's it's something else. Um, luckily, uh, uh, Valve, uh, I, I got the the Knuckles dev kit, so I, I got those. So I just had to buy the headset, but okay. I did. Bre- that- I broke I broke one of my controllers pretty pretty quickly playing Blade and Sorcery. So, <laughs> but it still works. <laughs> oh, that's a oh, fun that's one good. too. That's yeah, no, I yeah, I've loved my Index too. So that's that's one of those things. Like, I still can't wait for for the Index to become wireless because I think that's really like now that I have the Quest and the Index, like I those are the two that I kind of bounce back and forth from the most yep. and it would be nice to marry the advantages of both of those devices together that's yeah. that's that's literally that, the only thing that has to be the next step uh, the, the go that they gave me um, I've actually been enjoying that um, the only thing I don't like about uh, the, the I think it's actually no I think the oculus is 90 Hertz I think um, but the yeah. go is like 72 I feel like you notice it a little bit the, the quest uh, is too and I, I notice yeah. it too I definitely like for probably the average, like probably the the consumer that they're targeting probably won't notice it because a lot of them will be first time VR users. Um, And obviously they've made that conscious decision that, you know, apparently I guess they have some data that says you don't get sick and I don't get sick anymore. But yeah, Yeah. I I definitely noticed a little bit. But yeah, I've got like emulators on my go so I can like hook up a controller to it and just play some old SNES games. So I'm I'm really that's awesome. Yeah. Is it is it easy to set up? Like I, you I know, kinda, you kind of have to go around like because it's basically like an Android operating system. So you have to like enable developer mode. You have to download ADP. Yeah, yeah. ADP. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I know all the like because for for my quest, I've sideloaded apps before, but yep. I haven't sideloaded anything related. Like emulation sounds really cool. I, I yeah, actually, it's been really cool. Have you seen? I I I do not remember what it's called, and maybe listeners out there can point this out at some point. Uh, and get back to us, but there was there was some project I saw where you could actually uh, run kind of like a pseudo 3D uh, effect through M- yes. NES simulators. You know what? Actually, um, yeah, I'm on the. They have this Oculus Start Discord, and there's someone in there that posted that the other day. So they're they're on there. It's, it's their project. I can't remember what it was called though. But yeah, it looked really. That cool. looks yeah, that looked super cool because you could even like I, I like I said, it was one of those things. I was like, man, I have to try this. It was like you can kind of you can set depth levels to different layers within the within within the ROMs. So like right. you can you you can like custom kind of 3D, like you can you can basically make your nes game into kind of like a mini 3d stage that's going to play out in front of you as you play yeah yeah it looks that sounds yeah and i mean like some it's beyond me and it's beyond me what went into creating that but yeah it looks amazing 
Yeah, yeah. So there's all kinds of that. That's again, like w- whether you're on the PC or these these more closed platforms. Like I still think the most some of the most interesting stuff on any of them is what you know all these indie developers are are able to kind of suss out of the out of the platforms. Yeah. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing, too, just from my personal experience, you know, we, I don't know, I, I think, uh, me personally, I probably tend to undervalue the the work that I did on the game, and, but, like, it's funny, because people that aren't in the VR community, like, I've shown this off, like, so this game has actually, like, literally, like, it's changed my career path, I've, I've actually got a different, like, job now, I actually got to talk about wow. the game, interview, so um, I'm, I'm getting to the place where, yeah, it's, it's like, it's worked out well, um, but, like, anytime you show the game to anyone i mean jaws like drop um and it's yeah it's it's really funny to watch because you know it's like if you if you're not aware of vr you know people see like the samsung gear vr that's probably or the google cardboard and that's probably all about that they, they know about it um yep. and then when they see this game um yeah it's it's always something really cool so that's always another side benefit you know to show someone a, a vr game like that if you if you end up going down that path that's amazing and that's really cool to hear that it man yeah there's so many cool stories like that yeah, and so like I, I ended up even like getting in, pulled into projects and work to like work on uh, different Unity-based uh, things. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely like it opened up a ton of doors for me. So that's why I, I always think about you know it's like you try to measure like how many hours have I put into this thing, which I'd, I'd say probably somewhere around two thousand um, over three years. But it's like well you know how much have I made? How many dollars an hour is that? But it's like you really can't quantify it that way because you know it's almost like. I, I basically got a skill that people pay, you know, thousands of dollars to go to college for, um, and and you know, got like this, you know, it, it, like I said, it changed my career path. So it's like the value is just like it's it's you know, life changing in a sense. That makes me really happy to hear because I remember way way back uh, when we were first talking about connecting for the the first episode we did. I remember you were kind of nervous about having containment initiative tied to your personal thing because you weren't sure where where it was going to go and where it would lead to. But the fact that, I mean, you're talking about all the benefits that it's brought you in terms of uh, work, in terms of the skills you've developed, in terms of hopefully like the the network and things that you've built along the way. And obviously that's all that's all the the icing on the top because the, the main part of the cake is actually having a game that you can point people to. Uh, is really exactly. cool to hear. Yeah, and you can point that as a big achievement. And like what I found was like, you know, obviously, uh, uh, programming in C sharp, like the the jump to other languages that I'm working in, are it was so so simple compared to learning that for the first time. And I'm sure any experienced developer can tell you the same exact thing. Um, but yeah, you'll find it just like it opens up the entire world. You're like, oh, this language. Like, oh, I, I see. There's so much similarity here. It's just it's so easy to pick up mm-hmm. after you've done it once. For for people that haven't ventured into to coding at all and are interested in maybe jumping into making it like. From your experience, what's the the best way to start? I found a lot of value out of some of the tutorials that Unity had. They're kind of old at this point, um, but <coughs> excuse me, they'll they'll actually. I think there were some that actually like will walk you through like the creation of a very very simple game. And that's the thing in VR is you can create a simple game and it can do very well. Um, you know, as long as it's polished and, and has some unique features. So I feel like watching that, you know, you're you're already getting pretty close. Um, but it takes a while. You have it's one of those things where you have to be com- uh, like comfortable not knowing like ninety percent of everything and just focus on little bits. And I don't know what happens, but there's just like a point where everything just starts to click. Because um, believe me, I've tried I've tried before, and it took like it took a project like Contamination to get me to be passionate enough to stay up all hours of the night and do crazy things and and you know just like put every every ounce of effort you have into it um, to to learn it. But uh, it was certainly worth it in the end. Well, you were talking about uh, earlier the the whole like right place, right time thing. But I think one thing that I don't want to discount, and uh, you're, you're too humble to say it yourself, is the the amount of work that you've put in. Uh, I think that goes a long way because the thing is, these tools are available to everyone, right? Like all, all these things that are online, everything that you've gone through, it's 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 publicly available, or it's it's maybe maybe not free, but it is available to people who are interested. But you got to put in the work, and I mean, two thousand hours. That's that's not. You know, that's nothing to that's nothing to laugh at. I mean, so it it definitely shows in terms of like the progression that you've made with the game, but also in terms of the skills that you develop and like kind of the interest and how it's kind of permeating into the rest of your life in terms of career and things like that. Yeah, no, and and you know, the reason I, I'm probably a little too humble about it is just because honestly to me it's it's really not like work. That's why I can't think about it. <laughs> it's the best part, right? Of, like, 
you know, how much, how much money do I make an hour doing this? But it's like, honestly, I love doing it. I would not be doing it if I didn't. And, you know, obviously having that community behind you kind of cheering you on when you're showing progress on different things you're working on every night is a huge factor in, and, you know, continuing to push you to do it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know when I'll stop working on it. Well, Ronnie and I are, are very happy to be part of that community and, uh, and we wish you all the best of luck moving forward, man. I, I, I wanted to wrap this up and I know this could open up a whole new um, conversation, which I, we'd love to have you back on maybe uh, maybe a little bit further down the road if you have some developments or things like that, or even just to kind of talk about VR. But is there something right now within VR and you know not necessarily just a Vive or, or Oculus, but just in general within the, the VR industry, within the VR landscape, like what is something you are excited about? Is there something that you're seeing? Uh, because I think you have a very unique perspective in the sense that, you know, you are working on a game and you've been at this game for the last three years. So you've seen the development and the, the progression of this community as a whole. But like, is there, what what about the community or not, not, sorry, not about the community, but what about like the landscape or the industry and where it's at and where it's going has you excited? Well, I think probably the biggest thing that it's, it's not only it's, it's exciting, but it's, it's benefited the heck out of me is like now we, we have like standardizations like and that's the cool thing about VR is like we're in this early time period still where there's so many small teams trying different things, uh, but like standards are starting to pop up. Uh, so like, I'll give you an example. So like, I feel like I used to get more complaints about people not knowing how to use the weapons and containment initiative, but once Onward and Pavlov like really got popular, like people jump in and it's like, it's second nature now. So you've, it's like, you know, this is starting to standardize across the, uh, across the industry. And like, I'll give you another example is like artificial locomotion. Um, I tried No Man's Sky a few weeks ago and I ended up um, uh, like kind of using what they're, they're actually using this uh, FOV limiter. And I've seen it done in other games, but I really like the way that they did it. Um, where when you, when you start to move, basically you're just measuring the player's acceleration and you have this like nice little black animation on the edge of their screen. And it starts to very, slowly close in the peripheral um and i will tell you it makes me feel com- more comfortable even though i don't get sick anymore but sometimes you feel a little off um mm-hmm. but like my wife she could never ever play scavenge lovers i, I always used to give her a hard time about it because she would like never play my game in the scavenge levels <laughs> and she didn't like <laughs> behind her. but like as soon as i put that animation in where it just it just barely closes off the periphery vision of the uh or peripheral vision of the player um and it does so in this like nice smooth animation where it just kind of blacks in and out uh, depending on your the player's speed but that like it, it was amazing it was like night and day she could stay in it for forever now um, and like, we're seeing little things like that, you know, I mean, locomotion has obviously been a huge, a huge problem to tackle from the get go. And we're seeing so many different permutations of it now. Um, and I really think that like, you know, some of these games, like every game is figuring out this one little thing and then it starts to spread to other games. Um, and so that, that's exciting to see. Very cool, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it's the progression of this industry as a whole. And, um, I mean, having standards, I'm sure from a development standpoint is going to be very useful, but, uh, like you said, it's it's been really cool. Again, you know, for us just kind of being on more the enthusiast side to to see uh, all these things kind of clicking, and then being able to chat with you about how stuff is working on the back end, and how you know the, the people who are creating these experiences for us. Uh, I we really appreciate you kind of pulling back the curtain and sharing behind the scenes. Yeah, and it's you know it's fun to talk to people that you know really understand the scene, and you know, like I said, you know, nine nine out of ten people, you know, they don't really know what you're talking about when you when you go <laughs> on and on about this stuff. Um, but yeah, um, just to, just to uh, get one more plug in, uh, we're both going to Oculus Connect Six, so uh, we'll yep. uh, get to get to oh, meet yeah. face to face. So very exciting. Um, and I'm actually there's going to be an event uh, on Thursday afterwards. Uh, it's Operation India. It's going to be like right across the street. Um, I'm going to be there demoing containment initiative. I know a lot of other indie devs are going to be there. I think they're going to have um, uh, LoFi there. The guy that did Techno Lust. Uh, yeah, is, is I'm really looking forward to that. Looks really, really slick. Um, so yeah, he he's going to be there demoing that, and uh, I know there's a lot of other projects. Um, so it sounds like it's going to be a pretty cool event. No, that sounds. Uh, I'm going to be there as well. So I'm really looking forward to. Uh, thank you for the heads up on that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I, I think it'll be a fun time. Yeah, that's going to be my last thing for the the weekend before leaving. So or the week, I guess. Yeah, me too. So yeah, that's I'm I, I I delayed my my flight back home just a little bit so I can make sure that I have time that night to go to the event. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that's awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. So it's going to be, yeah. I, I've, I've not been to Oculus Connect myself yet. This is going to be my first year as well, but I've heard amazing things just in terms of, like I said, I think I told you this, like, you know, when we were DMing and stuff, but I mean, basically anyone that 
is in the VR community, you can kind of expect to be there more or less. So especially, exactly. especially here in the States, like as long as people are able to travel and everything, like this is, this is the biggest kind of get together for most folks. So. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So yeah, this is my first time as well. And yeah, like I feel like the whole three years is kind of like built up to this. So it's, it's extremely exciting. I, I can tell you from, from experience, like since, since me and Zane, you know, we were able to go to some of the, the other conferences, like that first conference, like the first time I went to GDC and I think that, you know, when Zane finally got to go to GDC as well, like when you realize that you're part of this community, like, and you're actually in the flesh meeting with all these people and it's like small developers, any developers, you know, bigger developers, like everyone, everywhere in between, like people from Oculus is, are going to be there. Like all of a sudden it's kind of like, you just have this, like, I don't know, Eureka moment when you realize that like, I don't know, like what, what you've been working on for these past years is actually something like really real. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. But. No, yeah, it's, I, I understand the feeling perfectly. It's like it's all kind of led to this point, and you're here because of what you created. It's it's a really great feeling. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's mind blowing. And, and for people out there that haven't gotten into content creation yet, like this is something that can motivate you. Is you can you don't have to be a sideliner. You can be a part of what you love to do. Yep. Yeah, and I, th- I think both both you on the development side and for us on the podcast side. I mean. Not that we're telling everybody to go out and start a podcast, but feel free to. Like the thing is, you know, this is this is your chance to be part of like this community that's been growing for the last three years and will continue to grow. Uh, and so, being able to kind of just have conversations like this, or being able to capture, I I think the way that I explained it to Ronnie early on is that we're we're capturing small sh- snapshots of like this industry as it grows and develops, right? Being able to have conversations with you three years ago and then having a conversation with you today, talking about where the landscape is and and, and going. I think. That there's a lot of value that at least we feel like we're providing, and we you know we hear that we're providing from our listeners, and so um, you know whatever way that it is for for anybody listening, however if you're passionate about whatever it is you're passionate about, but obviously if you're listening to this, hopefully you're passionate about VR and 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 gaming, but there's definitely a way for you to get involved in in a manner or capacity that uh, suits your skill set or the skill set that you want to build. Yep, you're so. exactly right. Cool man. And, uh, just, uh, I was going to say one, just uh, one more plug. If if you know if anyone's Absolutely. looking into if if anyone's looking into potentially you know starting to develop, I've had a lot of people that like bought the game. They're like, hey, you know, they want to know about the like you said the the peek behind the curtain. And so there's been a few people that have that have uh, tried to venture off and make their own games. Uh, and so you know if you have any questions, uh, you know I want to be a resource to other people. Um, so definitely you know I don't know if there's a way to to put a link to the Discord, but you know if you go to the uh, containments page, it's like right up on the page there. So um, yeah, hundred uh, percent. We're, we're gonna like, have stop by the Discord. Yeah, well, I'm I'll, there all I'll the throw time. everything. So, in feel free to ask any questions. Awesome. And yeah, I will go ahead and throw everything into the show notes. And I, I did have a chance, or I did see the, the Discord link there, but I'll make sure we uh, we connect and get all the links properly from you before we, we upload that into it. Um, but man, I appreciate this. This was awesome. And uh, you are welcome back anytime. I know at least you and Ronnie are going to connect in a couple weeks at uh, Oculus Connect, and hopefully I'll be there to join you as well. But um, man, best of luck. We, we're really excited and we hope to have uh, more conversations with you in the future as Containment Initiative uh, continues its forward progress and uh, whatever else you end up working on in the future. Yeah, well, I, I surely appreciate you guys uh, having me on. It's, it's been fun. And for anybody listening, just to throw a reference, uh, we had Thomas on on episodes 17 and 38. So if you want to do a uh, little time travel and go back to those, uh, feel free to listen to those interviews and um, make sure you guys check out the game. I mean, Ronnie and I, like, we cannot stress enough how uh, integral this game was in terms of the beginning steps of, of VR and it being out there. And so, again, it's not just about having Thomas on the show. It's 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 really just it was one of the first experiences that I had in VR. And um, it's it's one that I still continue to put people into whenever I can. So, Thomas, like I said, I mean, you're doing something awesome and uh, and we wish you the best moving forward, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it.